Hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got to be really sore, really sick to go to a doctor. And uh, last time I went to a doctor, I put an axe through my leg, so I needed, I needed a doctor to stitch that up. I'm sore if I'm going to a doctor, but I think about a time like I'd, I'd hurt my shoulder playing rugby and I'd really hurt it, it was sore. And I went to the doctor and I said, I'm here because I've got a really sore shoulder. I've heard of playing rugby. And do you know what the doctor did? Started pushing on it. And so, does that hurt? I said, yeah, that's why I'm here. I come here because I've got a sore shoulder. And now you're pushing and prodding and poking at it. It's, it's really hurting. But I mean, I guess a doctor, what they're doing is they're, they're trying to identify what's kind of broken and busted and where the where the injury is, so they push and they bridle uh, some things. And as I carry on the sermon series of uh, dollars and cents, uh, for some people out there today, it may feel like I'm just pushing and prodding on a sore spot, but uh, I can assure you I'm going to be as gentle as I can today, okay? I'm going to be a gentle doctor. Now, when pastors or leaders teach on the topic of money, People can also grimace and feel some pain as it, like, as it touches a sore spot. But did you know and understand that money in the Bible is talked about three times more than love and seven times more than prayer? Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. And yet he talks about money seven times more than prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but in my Bible, I... I've got the, the loved ones and the grace ones all kind of highlighted. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, I'll highlight that one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, I'll highlight that one. And um, God's mercy is new every day, I'll put the highlighter onto that one. But the money ones aren't so highlighted in my Bible, but maybe they should be. Because, I mean, Jesus talked more on this topic than any other topic. Noise. That's real rain. Real rain. There we go. So, um, Jesus talked more on this topic than any other topic. And he didn't teach about money so much because he had a problem with it, but he knew that we could have a problem with it. So that's why he talked about it so much. Money is a big thing that should never be minimized, as money is extremely powerful especially if it has power over us. When money has power over us, it does the following. It steals, from our, it steals our heart from God. It chokes out the word of God. It blinds us to eternal realities. It puts, a high, it puts too high a value on material things. It gives us a false sense of comfort and security. Men and women who have accomplished great things for the kingdom of God have never been those whose lives were gripped by the power of money and material things. Let's go to Matthew 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The scripture doesn't tell us that we will find it difficult to serve God and money. What it tells us is we must choose because we can't, we can't serve them both. So which one are we going to choose to serve? Is it going to be God or is it going to be money? We cannot serve them both. People whose lives resolve solely around making money will eventually find their spiritual lives being drained of passion and a love for God. If money has power over our hearts and we are not freed from money's hold over us, then God's word will automatically take second place. There was once a small child, and this small child got their hand stuck in a vase. And it wasn't just any type of vase, it was an expensive vase worth a lot of money. And so when the, the parents found their child with this, with their hand stuck in the vase, they're like, how the heck are we going to get this hand out? We don't want to break this vase. So they tried to manipulate the wrists and pull it on different angles, but they could not free this child's hand from the vase. And so they put liquid soap all around and tried to lubricate it so they could pull out this hand. And then they did a Google search on how to free a child's hand from a vase, but it came up empty. They asked family, they asked friends, but they could not find a way to free this child's hand from this very expensive vase. And so they came to the conclusion, and this was the last conclusion, that they'd have to take a hammer and tap on the vase and crack it and break it off the child's hand. And when they did this, what they discovered is that the reason the child's hand was stuck in the vase is because the child had put the hand in the vase to, to grab a small, almost worthless coin. And because this child had grasped the coin, they could not come back out because the fist was clenched. And what I think is this, is that often we can be like that child. And Grasping hold of money, we can actually break and damage things of far greater value. Because there are things in this world that are more precious than money. And uh, money's not something to be grasped at or that we want to hold too tightly because it can break down things of greater value. And so we need to choose, are we going to master money or is money going to master us? Is the Lord my master or is money my master? You have to choose one because you cannot serve them both. When money gets a hold of our lives, it can bring an independent spirit. It's like, I can take care of myself. I don't need God. I've got money. I've got finances. I can do life on my own. There's a touch of pride in that kind of spirit, isn't there? People with their focus on money and their security of money lose their dependency for God. They begin to trust in their own resources, forgetting that God is their source. It causes us to worship created things rather than the creator of all things. And wealth can be like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier 
you get. And I believe the world lies to us. I believe the world will tell you this. Do well at school, go to university, get really qualified, become like a specialist or a doctor and make lots of money. Have a real flash house, have holiday homes, have three or four cars, have boats, jet skis, all the toys. But here's my reality. I can only be in one house at a time. I can only sleep in one bed at a time. I can only be in one cafe drinking one coffee with my cafe quality wife at a time. I think the world lies to us that we need all that stuff because the stuff isn't going to endure and the stuff isn't going to last. There's only three things on this world that are going to endure and last. It's God, God's kingdom and people. All the stuff is going up in smoke. It's not going to endure. It's not going to last. Our hearts will always go to the place where our affections and desires live. Are you living in the pursuit of money or in the pursuit of God? Money has a way of becoming the centre of our affections, leaving no room for God or others. It can get power over our hearts. Now, when Ruby was young, she was like the only child everywhere. She was our only child. There's a four and a half year gap between Ruby and Jonty. So she was like the only child uh, in the family for a long time. And that's in our family, that's with grandparents, with aunts and uncles and cousins and all our friends at the time. They never had children. So like Ruby was the only child all the time. And when we had her third birthday party, we decided that we would invite a whole lot of her friends from her preschool. Well, Ruby didn't have a very good birthday party because there was other kids in her house playing with her toys and it stressed her out. And she spent the whole time going around taking her toys off the other kids saying, Mine! Mine! And now the kids' parents were there and we're like going, oh Ruby, it's okay, they're not hurting it, you can share it. Not our proudest moment as a parent, you know. Very embarrassing. And so Ruby had an issue. She needed to learn how to share. And the Bible's very clear, we're not to let our kids go the way they want to go, we are to train them in the way they should go. So we had to teach her how to share, and a couple of brothers coming along might have helped that. But I can say today that Ruby, as a 21-year-old, is very kind, very generous, very giving, and very sharing. Yes. Um, it's so good that she's not saying, mine. <laughs> but as adults, we've got to be careful that we don't have that same spirit. And we're clever enough not to go around saying mine, 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 but we can say that in our hearts. We can say, I've earned, for that. I've earned that money, that's my money. I'll spend that money where I want to. This is mine. This is my car, my house, 
Mind, mind. We can have that spirit in our heart. Do you know the way you beat the spirit? It's by being generous and giving. Being generous and giving can break that mind spirit. And so um, we've got to look for that in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own being, and go, mate, I don't want to be a mind, selfish person. When we give and release our money, we release ourselves from its power over us. One of the best ways of preventing money from having power over us is to share it and to give it away. Money can do so much good. It can meet people's needs. This is great for those who have the needs. But it is also great for the givers as they are actually storing up treasures in heaven. And that's my title today, Treasure in Heaven. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 18, it tells us this, Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Not having a mind spirit, but being generous and willing to share. Verse 19, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. As we give to the Lord, we are securing eternal rewards and making deposits into our heavenly account. And these rewards will never be stolen, destroyed or depreciate. Our rewards are going into our heavenly bank account. Do we believe this? That as we invest into God and God's kingdom, that we are storing our treasure in heaven. I mean, we can't see this kingdom. We have to acquire this through faith. Have you got faith to believe in treasure in heaven today? In this next passage, I want you to see the word treasure is written three times. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile, or you could say store, treasure in heaven. Where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Do we believe this? Do we really believe this? It takes faith to believe in this, doesn't it? The kingdom of God is eternal and will last forever. Whereas money and the things that money can buy are temporal. Matthew 6 verse 21 For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, do we really believe in this principle of storing up treasure in heaven? Because if we do, this is better than Kiwi Saver and Super Ann. And please hear me. I would encourage everybody to leave an inheritance to their children and to plan for retirement. You 
don't want to be a burden on people, so plan for this. But I'm also wanting to open you up to another reality, and that is that we can stockpile or store up treasure in heaven. And this cannot be taken away from us. It cannot be destroyed. Do we really believe in this? I mean, this life is like the blink of an eye. So we do a lot of planning for retirement, which must be like a quarter of a blink. Yeah. But eternity yeah. is such a long time. Yeah. When you've been there a thousand million years, you haven't even been there a minute because it's forever. So how much more should we be planning for eternity? And wanting to invest into the kingdom of God and the things of the kingdom. Like, do we believe in this thing called treasure in heaven? The place where your treasure is, is the place where you will most want to be. Is our treasure going more towards the things of this earth or the things of the kingdom and the things that are eternal? The more of heaven we have in our lives, the less of earth we will desire. Luke 12 verse 21. Yes, every man is a fool who gets rich on earth, but not in heaven. The definition of a fool is an unbeliever. So let me kind of read this again to you. Yes, every man is an unbeliever who would get rich on earth but not in heaven. Unbelievers will just look at what is here and now, in this earth now. But when we have faith, and when we believe in a God who is eternal, then we truly desire to look forward to the life to come and to store up treasure there. Yes, every man is a fool who gets rich on earth, but not in heaven. Isn't it incredible to think that we can have heavenly bank accounts? But I mean, it's easy to see the numbers on our Super Ann and the numbers on our KiwiSaver. We can track that. But this is by faith that we believe that there is reward to come. Are we allowing God to direct our lives and our giving? As we take it out of earthly banks and give it to the Lord's work, we are in fact sowing into our heavenly bank accounts. When money has power over us, we only see ourselves and our present needs and wants, and we are blinded to the eternal realities. I mean, we do a lot of planning for retirement, but how much more should we be planning for eternity? Luke 18, verse 18 to 21. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. (laughs) Verse 22. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. 
Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You think Dr. Jesus is just pushing on the sore spot? <laughs> he thought he had it all together, but he's like, no. There's a spot here that's not right. And in verse 23 and 24, But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. You see, when we become rich and have our security and money, we lose our dependency from God. And so the Bible says it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. But I also want to say this, it's not impossible. If we honour God as the source of our wealth and the giver of everything we have, then we've got life in perspective. We always want to be in a place where we know that God is our provider, God is our giver, and God is our Lord. Now, verse 3 to verse 28 to 30. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. You see, our God is a rewarder. And uh, in one parable, it talks about... Uh, people being good and faithful servants and getting the reward of ten cities and five cities. Our God is a giver and our God is a rewarder. Now when I was at school, at the end of every year, you'd have the prize given. And this is the time when the certificates and the trophies and the cups were given out. Um, this probably won't surprise you, but when I was at school, I wasn't the brightest light bulb in the chandelier. <laughs> I wasn't the dullest either, just somewhere in the middle. And when it came to athletics, I wasn't very good at athletics either. Too slow in the legs and too weak in the arms. I remember in the, in the third form, uh, we were practicing for athletics day and we had to do long jump and uh, you know you kind of got to run up and there's a white board and then you jump over like some grass and into the sand while I'm running up and I kind of have a little stutter and then I step and I kind of went like that and I had a half a stride and I didn't even make it to the sand. <laughs> that was it, I didn't, I didn't try long jump anymore, I just raked sand and so I wasn't very good at athletics and I wasn't very academic and I remember running races you know how you have the, the race at the front well let me tell you there's a race at the back as well because <laughs> you don't want to get dead last you know looking at some fella going hard out just trying to not be last that was my race and so at the end of every year when they're giving out the awards and giving out the certificates, I was like the clapper. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Chase the ace! <laughs> Charles the champion! Yay! I didn't get any awards. <laughs> I just clapped 
everybody else. But when we get to heaven, I mean, there'll be some people that they're just thankful that they got there, and they will be. I don't know about you, but I'd like to get a city. I'd love to receive a crown that I could lay back at Jesus' feet that would become his crown of many crowns. I live for that. I mean, I'd love to get some reward. Our God is a giver. Our God is a rewarder. And I'd like some of that. You know, I don't want to just be the clapper for everybody else. I want to be looking into eternity and investing into God's kingdom because our God is a giver and our God is a rewarder. I'm going to finish up now. Money needs to be in our hands as a tool, not in our hearts as an idol. The more of heaven we have in our lives, the less of the earth we will crave. Do we believe in heaven, life to come, and eternal rewards? It would just change our priorities and where we put our time, our energy, our talents, our money. It changed everything if we truly believe in the concept of treasure in heaven. And I love how Lou shared the gospel today around communion, about how God is a giver. He didn't even hold back his own son. But Jesus came and, you know, was punished and died in our place so that we can be free from our sin and enter into the kingdom of God. How good is that? How giving is our God? When you understand how much God gave, I don't know about you, I want to give. I want to give my life. I want to give to the kingdom. The kingdom means so much to me and it's a priority to me. Do we truly believe in God's kingdom? Are we believers today? And do we believe in treasure in heaven? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, let us just go away and meditate on the fact that we can store up treasure in heaven. That there is eternal rewards. Lord, may we be as people once that desire God and God's kingdom and to love and to honour and to give to people. Because that's all that's eternal. So Lord, let this word be one that goes away and sits with people. Lord, and uh, allow people to get a revelation of treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.